Turn your Bible to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 28, Proverbs chapter 28. We'll look at one verse, and that is verse 6. It says this, that better is the poor who walks in his integrity than he who is crooked though he be rich. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for your precious word. It's always good, and the Lord, to be together and just think through these things and unpack this passage and see what principles apply to our life and how we can better glorify and honor you with our day-to-day life. And uh, Lord, I, I just pray that you would bless our time. Uh, I pray for clarity my thoughts and unpacking this passage. And then, Lord, I pray for application. May we apply these things. May we be sensitive to how we can best implement these things into our life in a way that that would glorify you, that you would get the glory for. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We have another warning from the book of Proverbs. We're looking at warnings This warning is dishonesty or deceit. Again, I want you to notice, I pointed out last week, I want you to notice that these warnings are concerning the heart. It's not so much things outside of us that are the danger, but it's our own heart. And we see that a lot in the book of Proverbs. It's our sinful, fleshly, distorted, selfish, pride-filled, rebellious, independent, stubborn, deceitful heart. And if we want to please God, then we will rein that heart in. We will have we we have to govern that heart. We have to control that heart. And, and we know, we all recognize we do not love the Lord as we should. And and we all recognize I think that this heart needs to be changed. That's the first step. It has to be changed. Um We have to have new affections, new desires. The Lord has to work and give new goals and new purposes for life. And then we begin to cultivate, cultivate a life toward righteousness. And that's where we are. That's as believers, we come together for sanctification. We come together in order to to the Lord work in our heart and and move us closer to Himself and, and maturity. And so we listen to the warnings of Scripture There's warnings here, and we we want to listen to them. Now, this is just one verse. There's a tendency here just to misunderstand this verse and have a a first shallow reading here. We can conclude that this is just a verse that is comparing rich and the poor, and and the rich are uh, the ones who don't have integrity, the poor have integrity. But but that's not the point of the passage. We, We kind of read our own bias into the passage many times was with our own categories. Now, there is a comparison in this passage, but it's not between the rich and the poor as much as it is between two character traits, two character traits. Now, there's quick observations that I want us to make of this passage, and they're concerning these two character traits. You have, first of all, integrity is the word that is used, notice, and then you have the word crooked. Or we might say perverse. Let me read the verse again. Better is the poor who walks in his integrity than he who is crooked, 
though he be rich. First thing I want you to notice just quickly about these two things is that they're both conditions of the heart. He says he walks in integrity or he who, he who is crooked. That's the condition of the person, the condition of the heart. And it talks about the, the intimacy of what's going on inside that, that heart, inside the heart of that person. And we often say, well, God only looks, he doesn't look at the outward appearance, he looks at the heart. And folks, that should scare us. God sees what's going on, what's going on in our heart. That should scare us to death. And these two categories, they're good categories because they're accurate. Often we have shallow categories that are not very accurate. We divide people up into rich or poor or black or white or conservative or liberal, traditional conservative, those kinds of things. And, and those categories, don't, they really don't serve us well. This is a, a category that God has implemented and it serves us well. These are accurate. And I can say that with confidence because it's from God's perspective. It's God's perspective. And that's what counts. When we stand before the Lord, there's going to be concerning your integrity or your crookedness or perverseness. God sees that heart, and that's the way the person is. So that's the first observation. A second observation, just quickly, this is a, a pattern of life. This is a condition of heart, but it's a pattern of life. And this pattern of life comes from, we see that in actions that stem from the heart. And we know the little, little phrase, you, you sow a thought, you reap an action, you sow an action, you reap a habit. You sow a habit and you reap what? a lifestyle. And this is, this is a lifestyle. This is a, a way of life. And it starts, it starts with just one decision in the heart. One little thought, one little idea in, in this quiet, intimate place of our own heart. And so we have to be careful, don't we? We have to be very, very careful what's going on in our heart, the thoughts that are in our heart. We have to guard ourselves from those things. We have to turn. Because if we don't, if we don't guard that, that heart and, and we allow those thoughts to come in, it will produce a lifestyle. Ultimately, that's where it's going. Ultimately, that's where it's going to end up is a lifestyle. And so every decision, every thought, we have to take captive. We have to be careful of, right? So it's a pattern of life. Another thing, the third thing I want you to notice is that these are not equal. These are lifestyles, but, but they're not equal. They're not, one is not an acceptable lifestyle. We have this term alternative lifestyles today. And, and the, their idea is that there's a, a whole lot of little lifestyles and I just choose this lifestyle and you're choosing that lifestyle. And they're all equal and it doesn't really mean anything, but that's just not true. This says, Better, the first word, better is the poor who walks in his integrity than he who is crooked though he be rich. This is better. It is better to have a life of integrity. There's not just a whole bunch of lifestyles out there that we just choose and, and they're all equal. That's, not, that's a false idea that we see in today's society. The standard is God's standard and he says this is better. This is what is good. And everything else, folks, everything else, the glitz and the glimmer of Hollywood even, everything else is second rate. It is not as good. 
Not as good. We learn what is good, better, and best from God's Word. He tells us. He informs us of, the, of these things. So, so we, we see another thing, just a, as far as quick observation, is these, these two categories um, are not equal. These two lifestyles are not equal. Now, I want you to see just quickly, too, the point of the passage. The point of the passage is Solomon is stressing the priority of integrity. Of how important integrity is. Um, now some things, folks, I know it may shock us all, but some things are more important than money. In fact, integrity is the, is the higher priority. It's the higher priority. You say money is essential for life. We die without money. We don't have the money to buy food. And I'm not saying that money is not important and it's wrong to think about money. But folks, how much time do we spend thinking and worrying and planning, investing and, and making decisions about money? I would say it's a pretty high percentage of our life and our time is spent thinking about money. And I, I just go back to, to Christ's life. How much of his time was spent thinking about money? I, I don't think very much when you look at Scripture. Integrity is far more important than money. How much time do we spend thinking about integrity? The integrity of our own heart. Integrity of our own heart. Solomon then is giving a warning here to his son. Don't be like the crooked person, although they may be rich. It's the first thing you see, the first thing you notice. Oh, well, they're rich. And that's the first thing you, you judge them by. And so they're, they're rich. And so you want to be like that person. He says, no, don't be like the crooked person who, even though they're rich, he, he wants his son to be like the, the man of integrity, the person of integrity, even though they may be poor. So it's a matter of priority. It's a matter of priority, and that's getting to the point of the passage. Integrity is saying that integrity is it must be the highest priority for God's people. Integrity must be the highest priority for God's people. And we see that principle really all throughout Scripture. We see it in, in uh, Proverbs here, of course, but we'll, uh, we'll see how important that is. Now, there's, this idea then should raise a lot more questions in your mind. Then you begin to think, okay, what is integrity? Why is it so important? How does it affect my life? And those are the three questions I want to just quickly look at today. Number one, the first question is, what exactly is integrity? Let's look at the word here, the words that are used in this, in this passage. It says, better is the poor who walks in his integrity. We have a pretty firm understanding of the poor and who walks in his integrity. But the walk in integrity, we understand then, is a way of life, isn't it? Walk in integrity is a way of life. The word integrity here, the root of that word, the essence of that word is, is just completeness or we might even use the word perfection or wholeness. It's, it's all together. It's just, it's all there. Without blame, we might say. And, and you can understand how it would be a, a state of innocence. One idea is simplicity. And I, I like this idea because it's just, essentially it is, you get what you see. It's just that simple. It, it is what it is, we, we might say. You, you get what you see. It's a person that is doing what they're doing without hidden motives, without ulterior motives 
here. Now, we live in a day of drama. Everything can be dramatic. Oh, why did you look at me that way? Oh, what, what do you think? And, it, and everything just becomes dramatic. Everything becomes overblown. And we, most of the time, you can see past what the drama is, the facade there. You can see there's, there's some motives of the heart that are just not pure. And, and that's the idea. Hidden motives. Fear of man, deceit, and impurity in the heart, doubts maybe. We understand that. So integrity has, is this idea of is not being corrupt. Or no corrupt motives. No hidden motives. Uh, singleness of mind um, is the idea. The other word that I want you to notice here is the word crooked, perverse, some some. Uh, translations may have it. And it's the opposite, okay? It's used as the opposite of integrity here. Let me read the passage again. Better is the poor who walks in his integrity than he who is crooked, though he be rich. The word crooked there, and by the way, we can understand a word sometimes best by looking at its opposite. And the opposite is this word crooked, perverse. And it literally means twisted or, or trying to go two ways at once. Two paths, two directions at once. You say, that's a little strange. Well, it's kind of like a, a rope. You, you may have two ropes and you, you twist those ropes together. One might be a, a really weak rope and one might be a strong rope, and you twist those two ropes together to, to the point you just can't distinguish between the two ropes. But one is perverted, and that's the idea. It's, it's trying, to, trying to appear to go one way, but then actually going another way. And it's a perverted way. Christ used the, the term a crooked and perverse generation. That's the... That's the idea. It's, it's a, it's, this is a generation that has uh, different ulterior motives. That's a good explanation. We see one thing, but behind the scenes, what we can't see is, is a person that's motives are not pure. That's, that's the idea. And so, so then that informs us, that helps us to understand this word integrity. This is someone's who integrity is then having pure motives, no hidden agenda there. And so really the best translation, you might say, for the word crooked would be deceitful or maybe deceitfulness. He is a deceitful person. His actions are not really what they seem. Now, I want you to see a couple of places in Scripture. If you turn back to Proverbs chapter 11, verse 1, just quickly, it says a false balance is an abomination to the Lord. But a just weight is His delight. Now, the idea is in the marketplace, they're going to weigh things. You bring your goods and He, and he would weigh it and He'd say, okay, well, let's, how much, uh, let's see how much you're going to ch- I'm going to charge you for this. And, and the idea is a false balance. There's something that's causing the balance to be off and He's going to charge you more than is worth and you're going to be cheated out of money. You, you see one thing, you see this guy, and it looks about, but it's, it's perverted. It's a false scale. You get the idea there. It's perverted. It's not what it seems. It's not honest. Another place that I want you to see uh, this picture of integrity here 
is in Genesis chapter 20 and verse 5. Abraham, he goes into this country and the king of the country sees Abraham's wife and she's beautiful, Sarah. And uh, Abimelech is his name and Abimelech takes takes the wife. But uh, Abraham, you know, to protect himself, he says, oh, just tell him you're my sister. Well, the king takes the wife. The king gets a, a visit. Verse 3, it says this. But the Lord came to Abimelech in the dream of the night and said to him, Behold, you are a dead man because you have... Now, that doesn't sound good, right? I mean, anybody would... You get that from God and you think, man, that's not good. Because of the woman whom you have taken, for she is married. Now, Abimelech, who had not come near her, said, Lord, will you slay a nation even though blameless? And that's the idea, blameless here. He says, did he not himself say to me, she is my sister? And she herself say, he is my brother. In the integrity of my heart and the innocence of my hands, I have done this. Now, that's the idea. No hidden agenda here. I'm being completely honest. That is my heart. And the Lord recognizes that in verse 6. And then God said to him in the dream, Yes, I know that in the integrity of your heart you have done this. There's honesty there, and the Lord rewards that honesty. And he says, and I also have kept you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not allow, I did not uh, let you touch her. The Lord protected him because he knew the integrity of his heart. He was, he was lied to, and, but his own heart was pure. So I think you get the, the idea, this idea of, of integrity. It's just honesty, isn't it? It's what we see. The, the motives behind what we see is just, is just that, what we see. But we can expand it. It's what we say. It's truthfulness. It's justice. It's scales that are balanced. It's fairness. It's purity of heart. It has a lot of implications in our life. It's living a life of truth. Truth that we claim to know. And it's just honesty. It's not compromising that truth. It's living a life of honesty. Now, let's just apply this quickly. We're to be honest. We're to live a, a life of honesty and, and integrity. No deceit there. So, obviously, before others, we, we come before them and we're, we're honest. We pay our taxes. We prepare our taxes in a way that is honest, right? We don't lie. We obey the laws. In our workplace, we seek to be fair. We speak truth. And we have to evaluate ourselves, don't we? And we have to line ourselves up with the, with the Scripture that we know. And we have to say, am I a person of integrity? And you have to answer that. It comes down to the intimacy of your own heart. Between you and God. God knows what's going on in your heart. And so we have to be honest with others, but we also, folks, have to be honest with God. And I think this is where Christians, most of the time, we get ourselves into trouble. Because what we do is we try to live two lives. We try to do two paths. We want to appear godly, and we come to church on Sundays, but we're living this dual life. It's not quite the same at home. 
And God knows. God knows the integrity of your heart. And folks, that's a scary thing. I remember when I was in seminary, I love um, having Megan's dad here. We went to the same seminary. It's wonderful to, to have him here. But I remember back, and it's brought back a lot of memories of my seminary days, but I remember in class, particularly this classes on counseling, all right, or the pastor's home. And we were just being hit every class period with truth, with truth of Scripture, and do this and do that. And the truth of Scripture just keeps pounding my heart and hitting my heart and my heart of course, it was not good. And, and I was beginning to see the dualism in my own life. And, and I would have to go home and apologize to my wife and say, Sweetheart, I'm so sorry. I'm not the man I need to be. I'm not the husband that I need to be. And I, I, I thought I was, but I began to compare myself with Scripture. And I see I'm not really a man of integrity. And you have to come face to face with the truth. And, and sometimes it's hard. That truth just hits you. We have to be people of integrity. We have to pursue that. And that means to our very core, standing before God. And we have to be honest with ourselves and with, with God. And there has to be a consistency between what we say and the way we live on Sunday and then the way we live at home. And folks, that, that's a scary thing to me. As a pastor, I look out and I see uh, the, the friendly, smiling faces here. But what's it like in your home? Is there dualism here? Are you trying to... Is there some corruption, some crookedness, some, some perversion in your life? So what is integrity? It's just being honest. There's no compromise with the truth. It's just being honest with yourself, being honest with God and with others. Number two, another question we have to ask, we have to look at is, how does integrity affect the believer's life? How does it affect us? Because it, it will have an effect. And I, I want you to see this. This is wonderful stuff. Now, just be ready. Turn back to Proverbs chapter 10. We're just going to hit five or six verses here because I want you to see the impact of integrity on a, on a person's life. In chapter 10, verse 9, it says this, and these are, all, these are all wonderful. Chapter 10 and verse 9 says this, He who walks in integrity walks securely. And that's a wonderful benefit. There's some stability to people who walk in integrity, who are just honest. Their life is what they appear to be. They're honest with themselves. They're honest before God. And there's real security that way. We're not tossed here and there by every wind of doctrine, uh, the New Testament would say. And, the, and that just brings some stability. Chapter 11, verse 3. Here's another one. Integrity. The integrity of the upright will guide them. There's some guidance that comes with the integrity. You, you realize, oh, I can't do that. I'm not going to go on that error. I'm not going to go down this road. I'm not going to say this. I'm not going to say that. And there's integrity. It keeps us on the road here, on the right path. Chapter 19, verse 1. Is another one. It's the same word that we, we saw before. Better is the poor who walks in his integrity. The word better there. This is the right lifestyle that God has established for man. And it's better. It's a better lifestyle. Why can we say that? 
Because it's been infused with what is good. With good principles from Scripture. So it is better. We Walking in integrity is, is a life that is better, folks, than any other life. Though you be rich or poor. Look at chapter 20 and verse 7. is another good verse. A righteous man... And that's our idea. A righteous man who walks in in his integrity, how blessed are his sons after him. I love that. It's not so much about you. It's that legacy that you leave behind. It's your sons. It's your children. It's the benefit that they have of a father and a mother whose reputation was good. A legacy there. Let me show you another one. Chapter 22 and verse 1. A good name is more desirous than great wealth. A life of integrity develops a reputation that is good. A good legacy. A good name. He's got a good name among his neighbors. It's wonderful to have. Chapter 22, verse 11 He who loves purity of heart, and that's integrity there. He who loves purity of heart and whose speech is is gracious, the kings will be his friend. What's that about? Kings will be his friend. The Lord gives favor. When you walk in, in integrity, people can see, I can trust this guy. And the Lord many times gives favor and sometimes even in high places. Chapter 25, verse 26 is another one. There's a lot of benefits, folks, to a life of integrity. 25 verse 26 says this, Like a trampled spring and a polluted well is a righteous man who gives way to the wicked. Now, this is just the opposite. And I threw this in there because this just... I just want to mess with you a little bit. You're you're hiking and you you come upon this spring and, and you know it's fresh water. You can drink it here. And it's crystal clear and there's something refreshing. That's like the person who has integrity. But it says this. It says, a trampled spring. That's Okay, so, so you're getting ready to drink it. And all of a sudden you see the kids up at the top of the spring and they come trampling, right? It muddies the water, doesn't it? It just kind of messes everything up. This hit home when I was a few years after seminary. One of my seminary professors, one that I loved, I mean, he was just a great guy. And he fell in his integrity. And it just muddied the waters for all of us. It was just so hard for us to take. And that's the idea here. There's, there's refreshment there when you see a person of integrity. But when, when, he, when he gives way to the wicked, it it's it's muddies the water. It's, it messes things up. Just a reminder, chapter 28, verse, 9, uh, verse 18. One more. One more. This is a, a wonderful one here. Verse, uh, chapter 28, verse 18 says, He who walks blamelessly will be delivered, but he who is crooked will fall all at once. Now, what does this mean? Well, this is deliverance through trials. You may have to go through the trials, but at the end you're going to come out. You're going to be delivered through that trial. And that's wonderful. A life of integrity. You may fall, but you're going to get up and you're going to keep going. You're going to move in again. You're going to keep living that life of integrity. Now, you say, well, how does all this work? Let me try to paint you a picture. We folks are building a life based on truth. Based on truth. 
And when we develop convictions based upon the Word of God, we become established and we become firm and and steadfast. And chapter 28 and verse 1, if you look at that verse, it says, The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. When you become convicted, or when you become uh, convinced of the Word of God and you have those convictions in your own heart, there's a boldness that comes. And that's another benefit. That's the benefit of living a life of integrity. That firmness, that steadfastness produces a boldness. And we go into life and we say, I will walk this way. No matter how bad it gets, no matter how much persecution I take, no matter what the cost, even if I have to be poor, I'm going to live a life of integrity. And there's a, a, a confidence that comes from that. We heard the phrase coming or swimming against the tide. We may have to do that, folks. But a life of integrity will allow us to stand like a Martin Luther and say, here I stand, I could do no more. Or stand like a a Tyndale and be burned at the stake. But he died in his integrity. That's important. It's important. There's a lot of benefits, folks, of integrity. We see those. You say, well, man... We, we just strive after these things. And, and you think, I, I, I'll never reach integrity. Uh, when do you get there? When, when do you hit it? When, do you, when does it come? Let me encourage you a little bit. What we see in the, in the New Testament, well, in the Old Testament, it's the book of Psalms. Just be encouraged by these things. Just to remind you a few, few verses. God leads us in the path of what? Righteousness. Folks, that's good. He leads us like a good shepherd in the paths of righteousness. In the New Testament, we find that we are called children who are characterized by righteousness. God's children. We desire righteousness. We follow after righteousness. We know righteousness. We yield our members to righteousness. We are covered with the breastplate of righteousness. And someday, folks, we will receive a crown of righteousness from the Lord so what do we do? We pursue it. It's, it's one of those things you, you think, well, I'll never be righteous. It, it is never going to come. But it's, folks, it's something that we pursue our whole life. It's a lifetime of pursuit. And so, so we build this life based upon truth and pursuing. But here's what I want you to remember. And here's the application for us. I want you to remember this. Our salvation doesn't depend on our righteousness. Now, isn't that good news? Our salvation isn't dependent upon our righteousness. We put no trust in our righteousness. Paul says his righteousness, he he was just filthy rags. But we recognize that our righteousness is not from ourselves. It comes from God. He leads us in the paths of righteousness. And we have righteousness in Christ. His Christ's perfect life that we can never live is imputed to our account. And when we put our faith and trust in Christ, we receive all of that, the benefits of Christ's righteous life. And that is just wonderful news. So we should be encouraged because we can get discouraged when we're trying to live a life of righteousness, even integrity of the heart. We need to be encouraged, and so we just keep pushing on, recognizing, realizing that it's all about God's grace, isn't it? It's about God's grace. Our righteousness isn't going to get me to heaven. 
You say, well, then why, why is it so important? Why is it so important? Let me re- ask this last question here and we'll close. It's a better life for one thing. But it's also, it's best for the kingdom. And we have to think about this. A life of integrity is essential for us. But it's also essential for the kingdom of God. I want you to hear a few more verses. In 1 John is the passage that was read for us earlier. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 9. Some application on the screen there. It says, no one who is born of God practices righteousness. Does not continue on in sin because his seed, that's God's seed, abides in him. That's probably the word of God referring to there. And he cannot sin because he is born of God. He's born of God. Now, so... Why is it so important? We see that it validates the work of God in our life. When we see righteousness in our life, even though it, it might not be perfect, even though it's just pushing toward it and we're, we're, we're trying to reach it, we begin to see, we begin to see that this God working in our life. God working in our life. Now let me go back to the Romans chapter 10 one. Romans chapter 10 verse 10. So it validates the work of God in our life. Also, it validates the power of the gospel. In Romans 10, 10, for with the heart a person believes. Listen, with the heart a person believes. So in, with my heart, I put my faith and trust. I believe in Christ. And it says, resulting in righteousness. Resulting in righteousness. It validates the power of the gospel. Carl Dingus, who was not righteous before, now I'm seeking to pursue righteousness. It validates the gospel. It validates the work of God in our life. Titus chapter 2, verse 4, gives us another one. What the benefits are or how, how important it is. Titus chapter 2, verse 4, says this. And in Titus here, Paul is giving us some, here's, here's the righteous life in the New Testament church. Chapter 2, verse 4, it says, so that, he says, older women are to teach younger women, so that they may encourage the younger women to love their husbands, that's their focus, to love their children, to be sensible, pure workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands, so that the Word of God is not dishonored. It validates the Word of God. We adorn the Word of God, folks. When we live a righteous life, it brings validity. And then he goes on down in verse 6. Likewise, young men are to be sensible in all things. Show yourself to be an example of good deeds with purity and doctrine dignified. Sound in speech, which is beyond reproach, so that, here's the key, so that the opponents will have nothing uh, nothing bad to say about us or to be put to shame have nothing bad to say about us. When we live a righteous life, it validates the Word of God in our life that God is at work and the Gospel has changed us. Let me give you one more, or a couple more. It reflects the God's original intent for the way man is to live. Chapter 2, Titus chapter 2, verse 11. It says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men and instructing us to deny ungodliness, worldly desires, and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in this present age, looking for the blessed hope and 
glorious appearing of a great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed. God has given us the way we are to live. And it proves that God is working in our life when we live these things out. But let me give you one more. And this is back in the book of Proverbs. And we'll close with this. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 2. When the righteous increase, the people rejoice. But when the wicked man rules, people groan. Righteousness is the standard, folks. We are the light of the world. Why is it so important that we live a righteous life? It's because we're the light of the world. When the righteous increase, people rejoice. They look at our lives and they say, yes, that's the way a family should be run. When they look at our lives, they say, yes, that's the way a person at work is supposed to behave. That's fair. That's right. That's honest. That's just. That's the way life is to be lived. Folks, we are just simply reflecting God's light in our life. That's what it is. We are the light of the world And there's a reason that we are the light of the world because we are reflecting, folks, the glory of God. We're not the glory. God is the glory. We're just reflecting that glory when we live a righteous life. And I'm afraid so often we eclipse that. It's like going out sometimes and the the moon is just so bright. it's, It's not the source of the light, right? We know the sun is. It's just reflecting on the moon and and showing back showing back to us. It's just reflecting the sun, right? That's that's our life. It's a life of righteousness. And sometimes it's bright. But then sometimes you go out and you're a little disappointed. It's a little dark. You can't see it. There's just a, a little sliver there, not much light. And folks, I'm afraid so many Christians, so many people who claim to be Christians, they're, they're, they're living a life that is really not reflecting God's glory at all. And that's a danger. Because the integrity of their own heart has been corrupted, has been polluted, has been messed up. And why is a life important? A life of integrity important because it reflects the glory of God, His greatness and His majesty. Folks, that's the life we are to live. Integrity is, is to be the highest priority of the, God's people. Every once in a while you'll hear this statement that some somebody made, I don't even know who came up with this statement, but... It, It says this, that every decision is a financial decision. Every decision is a financial decision. Um, And we spend a lot of time thinking through money and financial decisions. But how much more important to think about our own integrity. Our own integrity. So the the phrase should, should say... The phrase should say that every decision really is an integrity. Decision of integrity. How is this going to affect the glory of God in my life? And folks, we, we need to spend much more time thinking about that. That is a higher priority for the life of the believer. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you for your, your word. And Lord, how important to our lives are a life of integrity, a life that, that is to be lived for your glory, for your honor. And Lord... I pray that we would not mess it up. 
that we would not detract one bit from your glory and that that we would just shine so brightly in this community that they see your glory and they say, I want to be like that. They say, I, I, I realize that, that that's the way a family is, should, should be run. And that's the way a workplace is, should, uh, is, to, be, is to be operated. And it's because of the, it's because of the righteous lives of, of people, but ultimately it's because of the, the good that we've seen from your word and its effect on our life. And, and Lord, that's not of us. It's of you and it's just your glory. Lord, we thank you for your grace. Lord, may we be, may we be men and women of integrity. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.